Hello and welcome to the NTZ of Film. It's a weekly, possibly, podcast where uh, we talk about New Zealand film directors in this season, uh, their first Hollywood film and their uh, immediately preceding New Zealand film. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, the NTZ of Film, export quality. I'm, I'm Rajiv Mishra. And uh, I'm Andy James. And today we're talking about Roger Donaldson. Let's go. This is the N to Z of film with Andy and Rajiv. Okay, so today talking about Roger Donaldson and his uh, New Zealand film Smash Palace, mm-hmm. and then his uh, Hollywood Hollywood film, yeah. Hollywood film, well, yep, The Bounty. Dean the Laurentis. He's he's about Hollywood. Um, he's about as Hollywood as it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob being foreign. Uh, the Bounty, yeah, yeah. So, so Smash Palace is a uh, uh, a very dramatic uh, piece of Kiwi filmmaking, right? Like it's it's not a. We, we've talked about uh, Ber, uh, Jeff Murphy and Lita Mahori as a sort of bombastic film. I mean, once more, it's is dramatic, but but Smash Palace is like a piece of drama. Like it's about a, a father who's trying to pretty uh, full on save his marriage, kind of. But he's you know he's lo- he's losing his kid and. It's hard to describe. Like I can go through the plot points, but what's the what's the what's the kind of a story is this? Well, the synopsis, uh, I believe, on the back of the DVD case is a thriller. thriller. It is a thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Apparently, Uh, a man, his wife leaves him and takes their daughter, and there are violent repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In only the way that Bruno Lawrence can do. Like it's a. He's a fascinating character to he's watch in this, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. because the character he's playing, Al Shaw, is kind of a dick. He's really flawed, but he's but he's his performance is really like yeah, it's Bruno that <laughs> brings you into that character because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, watching this, it's like uh, I totally get why she leaves because yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't listen to her. He uh, has a violence to him that comes out and bursts and um and he's clearly pining for those heydays like in the story he used to be well he still is uh, a, a, a grumpy a race he, car he was a race car driver yeah. and now he's running, he's uh, running his his dad's old salvage yard but he's still he's, but still, he's like still racing racing yeah yeah. yeah yeah so 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 he's got that um what is it that 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 want to be something else what i don't know that he does i think well, he's just got a chip on his shoulder n- yeah 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 there's yeah. just some kind of anger <laughs> Always boiling under the surface with him. Yeah, and 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 it's it's Bruno, right? Like he he's like, I remember when I was when I first started studying film, like he was the guy. Like, oh, what 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 are the great actors we produced? And we're like Bruno Lawrence, like Sam Neill went overseas, but Bruno Lawrence was like quintessential Kiwi bloke. And you yeah, read well, about him in in Jeff's book about his life, and there were documentaries about him, and he's kind of like this. He's bald and he's kind of fine looking, but he's got that intensity and he's extremely masculine. There's something <laughs> magnetic. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, about yeah. his presence. Um, and and Jack Nicholson, like I remember that quote. Like I remember reading about him, his performance. We're not talking about the Quiet Earth, but Jack Nicholson is like on the quota is saying that's his his favorite performance in any film of I all time. That. Yeah, like wow. you know, he's because Bruno commands the screen like for that almost that entire film by himself. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like it's a, there is yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah presence he has yeah so he brings he brings that sort of dark dark darkness to this film right like it's a yeah it's a wow it is a crazy character because it's one i'm immediately just on the surface level absolutely against yeah this yeah, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is not very sympathetic no 
as as it reads on the on the page almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what Bruno brings to it, he, and he, there's he some, I don't know. There's he wrote, he like co-wrote, right? Like that's part of the his thing. Eyes, and it just. Well, you believe him. Something compelling, yeah. You know, there's that one scene where he's leaning up against the his gun, and I think he's looking in the window, and it's just before he's going to do the, the kidnapping. Do I the business. Explain the plot of the story. He kidnaps his daughter and goes up into the bush, and that's what the crux of the story is. Um, well, that's I mean, it, it's the crux, but it sort of it definitely takes its time, not in a slow and unengaging way, but it takes its time to yeah. to get there. I mean. <laughs> Because this is so. This is the first time I've watched this film, mm. and so reading the back of the DVD case, yeah. I kind of expected <laughs> this explosion of violence <laughs> yeah. to occur quite a bit sooner. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's sort of a it's a slow build almost and to it's, that, and like it's, escalating. It's and an it's really tragic. Series. It's not like it's it's not like a revenge thriller. Like I'm out to I'm out for blood. I'm going to get this guy, and I'm going to take my daughter and bring back my life. It's kind of like I don't really know what I'm doing, and I'm blundering through the bush. I'm kind of yeah, fucking up everything. Really no, badly. he's just being a complete <laughs> prick, <laughs> ripping off his wife's door to her house with his tow truck, aiming <laughs> a shotgun at his best mates. It's interesting because I, I agree with you. I was just reading this. I was reading a Pauline Kael review again about this film, and uh, and she talks about his. Uh, an escalating series of wrong decisions that yep. on their own we can understand. I, I don't know whether I necessarily agree with that, but I kind of agree with it. I mean, there are certain things you do that I, I go, oh, yeah, do that. But then there are some things where I'm like, I wouldn't do that, but that's just because no, I'm not Bernard Bur- Lawrence, I guess. I, can, I guess, yeah, <laughs> you understand them perhaps a little bit in the context of the character, but it's as soon as he, well, do we, do we want to talk about that scene now? Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Ooh. So there's, yeah, <laughs> after the sort of pretty much ultimate um, argument fight with his wife when she's um, About to told him yeah. she's leaving him because she's absolutely fed up with her life with him. Um, there's an argument and then he barges into her into the bedroom where she's locked herself in and then proceeds to undress her as she's crying, yeah. sobbing into the bed. Um, which then leads to well, it's it's pretty much a rape scene. Yeah, I think, but I, a very complicated sort of. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot to un- there's a lot to unpack in this entire film. Yeah, um, because it slowly becomes a sex scene almost. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, like that weird. It's that weird scene in Straw Dogs. It's that weird though where she ends up liking the sex and it's or strangely she, weird. I don't know if she likes it so much as just kind of she's accepting it of it. Yeah, yeah. to happen and immediately after uh, when they're both lying in bed post-coitus, yeah. uh, she says, you know, I'm leaving I'm you leaving, and it's yeah, not because yeah. of this other man. It's, I'm just fed up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. It's a very uncomfortable scene to watch. Very, very uncomfortable. I mean, I remember it's all in sort of one shot almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it. Yeah, it's it's. We were talking about like we're talking about like Lee being very slick. I mean, Roger Johnson comes in the background of documentary, and it really it comes through in the film. You know, you really, absolutely. You really There's something that. kind of raw and energetic about yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was. I remember. The first time I saw this was on TV4 back in the day on uh, New Zealand television. They had a season of playing New Zealand films late at night. And I was very excited because I was you know, a big film guy and I wanted to make movies and I was watching these films. And th- this one came on and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about this. And people always talk about how this is one of the great New Zealand films. And I remember that, that scene coming up 
and watching that on TV and being all like, what, what is this? Like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this scene. Not prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very uncomfortable scene. It's really, it's really, uh, it's very adult and very European. Like, it just seems real out there and. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, there's it's it's like a very, very left of mainstream is what I mean. That sort of like. Well, I mean, is. yeah, when you sort of think about um, other films happening around this time in New Zealand, you've got Goodbye Pork Pie, which is a great, like a legitimately great film, but that's a lot of raucous fun, and it's mm. there's something I don't know, youthful almost about it. Yeah, yeah, this is very adult. <laughs> this is a very sort of mature and confronting kind of film. Yeah, yeah. Not so from that. Yeah. You know, you're not necessarily on Bruno Lawrence's side beforehand anyway, but then after that, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring in the context of uh, of where New Zealand cinema was at the time, which is interesting because I, I was just reading online and there was a couple of things I didn't know about this film. Uh, I'm a bit massive fan of Richard Lawson, so I was surprised by this, but um, they made the film in four months <laughs> from start to end. Um, because they had a, a deal with the producers where it needed to be at Cannes uh, by a certain time. And so from the start day of principal photography, it was four months till finished film showing in a, in a cinema in Cannes. Wow. Uh, which is very impressive for the kind of film it is. It's a very assured film. Um, and uh, rave reviews from Pauline Kael in The New Yorker. Uh, Pauline Kael said it was a remarkable film, believably real characters. And Ebert gave it four stars, which is his highest rating, right? And... Uh, he said it was one of 1982's uh, best films. Uh, and he, he said that it's from a young filmmaker who, in a sense, is the New Zealand film industry, which is interesting. I mean, that just... sort of discounts the rest of the film industry. But, but Donaldson did sort of – he made that first film, you know, he made Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs, Dogs yeah. during, during the time of the interim film commission. Yeah. If anyone knows about New Zealand, we have the New Zealand Film Commission, which is – responsible for our for our domestic film output. But before that, before the film commission was properly set up, we had an interim film commission. And he made a film when that was being set up. Uh, and he was sort of responsible for the renaissance of New Zealand film. We we made a bunch of films in the early days of cinema, Riddle Haywood and stuff. And then and there was a big dearth in the middle there. We can't really get into the history of the film, but there was a few films being made. But then Roger Johnson sort of sort kicked of, it up. It, the butt, it really butt. kicked in in the 70s. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is where all these sort of... Early, like early the tax shelter and all that New sort Zealand of filmmakers, history. yeah, we're coming from. So, so it was interesting that he said that he is the film industry, which I thought, which I thought was well, and especially good. after Smash Palace, he left uh, New Zealand filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, pretty well, much. He, he, got, his... he got he got onto the, the he got onto the bounty, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but but it's funny that I would have thought by 1981 we'd seen Goodbye Pot Pie, but we still suffer clearly suffering from this cultural cringe where. We're, I guess, not as accepting of New Zealand films. We still have the issue today, but it's less so. I think definitely less so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was interesting because that was why I was really surprised that this film was released in the US before it was released in New Zealand. The, the producers felt the need for their international validation before it was released before, here. Before. Even though we had a like, massive yeah. hit with Goodbye Pork Pie in the past. So people were ready to see New Zealand films, but maybe because of the mature subject matter, it... Uh, they felt the need. They need validation. The Otherwise, need for speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, for yeah, for for some, yeah. There's that uh, sort of very New Zealand thing where it's anytime there's a New Zealander slightly involved in some sort of international news story, they're always the yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, thing, the lead thing that's talked about. It's yeah, we very much sort of need that international validation. I don't think it's as bad anymore. I no. think we've grown up a bit culturally. 
And it, it, it seems, I mean, I'm not, the, if there's a listener out there that has an avid interest in this here history, a period of New Zealand film, they could point out that I'm wrong. It just seems really strange that this happened. And that's all I've got to say on it, really. But uh, I just don't quite get it, because I would have been like, this is a great film. Oh, the producers would have seen it, Donaldson would have seen it, and gone, this is a great film. We should totally be showing we this should, to New Zealand audiences. We should have uh, faith in the New Zealand audience to be able to understand that this is a good film. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I think that uh, uh, comments should be made of uh, Greer Robson, that plays the daughter. The young daughter, I yeah. I thought she was great. I um, thought she had a very... Subtle performance, you know, it wasn't over the top and grating like you sometimes see with kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, Keith Aberdeen, who was who played Ray Foley, uh, the, the man that Anna Jemison's character, Jackie Shaw, who's a beautiful woman and she did a great job as well. Uh, his character, uh, oh, sorry, Keith Aberdeen wrote Utu and he was like, he was like an interesting choice for that character because so the character of Bruno's best friend who yeah, sort of starts having not he'd had a few doesn't hook up with his he's sort very, of ex-wife he's a very understanding become, character yeah very friendly and <laughs> yeah, 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 is yeah. there to support her yeah and then they end up becoming a couple right sort of eventually well yeah. I mean like that, when, but no, when, when you become that emotional crux that's that's, that's, all, yeah, that's yeah. what it is um, but he didn't have much of an acting experience he had been in the past but this is quite a crucial character in the story right it's like an important Well, he's right role. there in the sort of final moments. Yeah, 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 for sure. Get with, great scene uh, on the train tracks. Um, Goodness me. So that was so that, that just means, it just seemed like Donaldson had a, a keen eye for casting. Like he knew what he was doing, you know, like from the get-go. And people, and he was quite young when he made this, and people were probably like, who's this guy? What's he doing? Well, he made Sleeping Dogs, which, you know, has his flaws and stuff. I, I like that film, but he's, he's, he's a good filmmaker. Um, anything else you were interested to talk about? Um, just, I was just surprised as to how, yeah, assured and confronting the film was. There's, yeah, that we briefly touched on it with the, the almost final scene at the, with the, uh, the train coming towards them on the tracks as they're parked there with, uh, Bruno with a shotgun aimed at his best mate with a noose around his neck as well. With the barbed wire noose. And right. yeah. the, the, you see the train coming towards them, coming towards them and then it's it, ruining the film. <laughs> veers off yeah, yeah, yeah. on a parallel track mm. and it's just it's good amazing filmmaking yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. using that language to trick you and then mm-hmm. the ending of the film is wow it's it's <laughs> just bruno laughing as the final image is his daughter sitting on her mother's lap in the back of a police car looking just haunted. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I can all, like watching this. I was sort of thinking, wow, this is almost like a men's right activist wet dream. Yeah, yeah. you know, they would be one hundred percent behind Bruno Lawrence and his rights to yeah, his yeah, kid, yeah. and he can fucking take her into the bush if he yeah. wants because yeah. it's his kid. Yeah, yeah. He's totally within his rights to rip off the door to his wife's house. Uh, we've gotten political. Uh, I have to say that. Men's rights is not a thing. No. <laughs> it's not a thing. But then the film absolutely <laughs> refutes Bruno's No, it's a much it's, stance. It's far more complicated f- than that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 the yeah, final yeah. shot is that little girl completely haunted by what's happened. Yeah, like he's he's made this moment that's fucked everything. Like, you know, yep. like it's the end of everything. That's why, you know, people are like, oh, it just ends so abruptly. I'm like, but that's what is there after that point? What is there left to say? That's the end of everything, right? 
Yeah, that's the end of that that's family. And he broke it. Yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> like, and it's amazing. Smashed it. Yeah, yeah. Smash Palace did. Um, yeah. No one said Smash Palace. Did they say Smash Palace? The they worked the at Smash Palace. They worked at Smash Palace. Okay. No one said, man, I really like the Smash Palace. <laughs> they say, I like it when they say the name of the film. Um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think we covered that. Yeah, so Roger Donaldson's first Hollywood production then. Big. The Bounty. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is interesting. I, I uh, most of the films we're watching for this podcast I'd seen before. I had not ever got round to seeing The Bounty uh, until January this year. So uh, yeah. amazing film. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Is so it's a Captain Bly. Uh, Mel Gibson, Anthony Hopkins, Lawrence Olivier, Daniel Day Lewis, Bernard Hill, Liam Neeson. Uh, and New Zealand's own John Gadsby. I was going to say, don't forget John Gadsby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. John Gadsby gets a great scene with Liam Neeson. It's awesome. I was pretty surprised when <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Is this, is that John Gadsby? Yeah, yeah. He's passed away recently, so that's sad. So it's good that we, we were talking about him. He was great. He was a great... And he did really good. There's that one scene where he's there on this... Okay, so we should probably talk about the bounty. Uh, so the story is the bounty. People would know the story. Uh, Hopefully. Well, there's the famous Errol Flynn... Uh, Errol Flynn film, isn't there a mutiny on the bounty? Uh, uh, I oh god, my history. Uh, there's there's, there's, totally a, version, up, there's a version. There's a version with Marlon Brando. Uh, oh no, Errol Flynn was Captain Blood. Captain Blood, yeah. <laughs> it's not like I think you Sorry. Um, so, uh, Fletcher Christian is on, on the boat with Captain Bly, and there's a mutiny, hence the mutiny on the bounty, and uh, he wants to uh, leave the ship to be with the crew. Uh, want to be with uh, the Polynesian ladies. <laughs> Basically, and have a good time. And, and also, Captain Bly is, is a, a cruel and <laughs> yeah, 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 capricious master. Although this d- d- disputed at very rec- records of history, people say he was actually fine. But you know, that makes for a, a lame story. Yes. So <laughs> it's uh, Anthony Hopkins as uh, Captain, Captain Bly, Bly. Mm. Mel Gibson as Mel Gibson, Gibbs. yeah, yeah, uh, as Fletcher, Fletcher Christian. I have to say, quite. Um, Quite strange to, to see sort of in the in the beginnings of the film, Mel Gibson dandied up. Dandied up being very British. I really think it's a great performance. Really, really enjoyed it. I don't know what you think. Um I was really surprised by this film. I thought I've seen a lot of Roger Donaldson's films. I like his films. Hit and miss in Hollywood, but mostly thrillers and sort of typical genre fare, but done really well, I think. Well, yeah, like um, the, the Bank Job, for example, is a great film. Yeah, recentish yeah, yeah. one yeah, that's very solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this was the, this is the first thing I've seen that his that was like a real well, the Bank Job's a period piece, but this is like a big epic, epic period series piece. adventure, you know, film. And he he got the job apparently um, through Mel Gibson. I I can't find anywhere. As to how they're friends, I don't know how Mel Gibson and Roger Donaldson are mates. I mean, Roger Roger Donaldson is actually born in Australia. Yeah, he was born in Australia. I don't know what that means. He's friends with Mel Gibson because he's born because because all Australians (laughs) know one another. Obviously, they're all mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, so a little bit of background history on the Bounty was a David Lean film to to start with, right? Like fully David Lean, and that's right. I've forgotten the screenwriter of David Lean's screenplay because I was watching the film, and I and I'd recently watched Bridge Over the River Kwai, and I was kind of like. That guy, that's the same writer. You know, I sort of like look up the history of it, and it was like Deanna Laurentis, and up until the very, very recently, he he just left he left the production just just before it was going to start. Yeah, it was production. all David Lean's baby, baby for a long, like, a long time, like a fifteen year period, like a long time he'd been developing wow. the film, 
And Donaldson came on board after he left because he was Mel Gibson's mate and they were looking for a director. And apparently he only had four months to prepare uh, his shoot. And well, he a made really a whole film in four months. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but we're talking about like epic high seas. We're talking about like boats on the sea and casts of thousands. And What do you got to know about a boat? <laughs> made it out of wood and floats. It's good to go. It's an impressive feat, right? Like, you know, you made a couple of sort of small films. You made, you made like the invasion of New Zealand by US forces kind of uh, with sleeping dogs and then the small intimate Kidnapped I guess it was Smash Palace uh, and then the bounty. Is it <laughs> like, sort of? Uh, <laughs> it's similar to these, you know, indie directors having a hit at Sundance now, yeah, and then yeah, going yeah. on to direct these big budget, hot, yeah, Jurassic <laughs> worlds and yeah, yeah, superhero films and the big budget blockbustery sort of stuff. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that next level step up. Yeah, yeah, it, and it was. It's an impressive. It's a. I don't know. Did you like the film? I I quite enjoyed the film. A lot I'm, more than I'm I kind I of a sucker for. Seafaring, adventure type tales, Master and Commander, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's got that going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some interesting stuff going on um, yeah. with the, uh, like, for example, all of the, the uh, Tahitians or the Polynesians coming out. And it's that um, sort of almost colonial exoticism. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was the one scene I had trouble with. They had one scene in the film that I really had an issue with is when Catch and Bly arrives, and they're all like, "Yay!" And they're all—they're like, all very real, happy to see real them, real freaking happy, and cheering. And all the ladies are topless, and they're coming out, and all the men on the boat are like, "Yeah, woohoo!" And then they're and firing guns and they're as a salute. Guns as a salute. Which I and thought, just, okay, well, they must have had English folk coming and visiting. Well, they did. I mean, like Captain King Tyner was like, "How's Captain Cook and stuff?" So, they, so they've got a history with them. Yeah, I just thought. Well, it wouldn't have been the best history I would have bought. Um, <laughs> I obviously don't know my Polynesian colonialist history very well. That scene just seemed to go to ring out untrue to me, but I could be completely wrong. There might be a historian listening that goes, yeah, they were totally best of mates. I guess, on. well, the main <laughs> sort of point was to just have the crew going crazy bananas for, to be real happy for all these pretty ladies, pretty ladies and yeah, the yeah. sunshine and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beaches. It just seemed like a real colonial throwback scene, that one scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but but other than that, um, I I just think I think Mel Gibson's performance. Uh, when I first started watching, I was kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on because I, in my my past reading of the Fletcher, Fletcher Christian story, like I just expect them to be button heads, you know, like from the get go. Yes, but they started. And out he's real quite matey. Yeah, they're quite matey. I, I expected them to be quite matey, but I just mean that. Um, uh, Donald um, Ebert makes note of the fact that he he doesn't. He doesn't talk much. He hasn't barely gotten any any lines uh, in the, in most of the film, and even when he does become high spirited, it's kind of like it's very softly spoken until he explodes in rage, which I love. I love that scene so much. Not many people can do rage like Mel Gibson. Oh, man, when he like when he goes when he when he finally breaks and he does his confrontation with uh, um, Anthony Hopkins, that's some those are some two powerhouse pieces of acting going on. I know it's rage and it's just raging and getting angry, but it's real. It's done really well. Like it's not, it's not over the top of mel. Well, it is kind of melodramatic, but I like that. It's um, and he's mel just, Gibson dramatic. Yeah, Mel, mel Gibson dramatic. <laughs> yes. Mel, mel dramatic. Um, he's uh, wow, so nerdy. Um, he's he's really going for it, and you know the 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 his bounty, his fellow bounty mutineers are like baying for Anthony Hopkins' blood. You know they yeah. want him. 
they want him dead. They want to cut his throat. And he's all like, no. <laughs> and he's like, he's he's ripping out his sword and fucking pointing it at people and going, you stay away. And only the way that Mel Gibson does. And it's a great, it's a crazy great, eyes going. Yeah, crazy eye going. Like, and it's a great switch because up until that point, he's been so softly spoken. And he's been so like, you know, you it's see a- him, you see him with the Polynesian ladies and he's lounging about and he's just chilling. And then it's just not so Mel Gibson from the, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, you know? build up to that explosion. <laughs> it's sort of very similar to um, Smash Palace. Mm. It's true. That but you see, you see. Well, just going back to Smash Palace very quickly. You sort of, even though there's not violence straight away, you can kind of see that building and building up mm, mm. in Bruno Lawrence's character and and the way the film is. So just like, yeah, hey, there's yeah, our through yeah. line. Yeah, there's our through line. That's the the connective tissue between the two films. Um. I, I do also think that um, uh, Anthony Hopkins um, does something different than I was expecting with the Captain Bly character. I think he gives a um, he gives a very digni- what's, a what's dignified sort of performance? a dignified performance as opposed to well I guess it's always going to be dignified. What am I trying to say? He he um, you know he has this court scenes with with Laurence Olivier and he comports himself. Yeah, as a gentleman. I, yeah, yeah, I just expected him because he's because if it was me, I'd be like I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I just I just expected him to be in that courtroom, being all like, "Why are you? Why are you?" You expected like some rager. A little bit, a little bit, but I guess that's not the way of a of a captain in a courtroom setting, you know, because he's being he's being yeah tried but, for the the losing his ship. You know, you expected something a little bit more bloodthirsty. Yeah, just yeah. With the story behind it as well, or yeah, I expected him. I just thought in that scene, I just thought there's going to be, you know, Lawrence Olivier is being Lawrence Olivier and and, and sort Olivier-ing of up the joint and sort of like you know looking down upon him, being like, "What's wrong with you? You lost your ship." And I just thought because I'm so used to seeing Hopkins fly into a rage in various films he's done, he does it really good. And he's that Welsh yelling thing of his. <laughs> uh, he doesn't do it. Well, I was just. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he talks like this. What do you think you're saying? So, well, but then, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you look at him in Silence and the Lambs, so... That's true. That's true. That's true. He's also got that um, quiet... Yeah, I guess it was very, en- very English courtroom scenes, right? Yes. Like, it was very, like, <laughs> very English. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All composed. Um, now, what about the score? I know you <laughs> wanted in particular to talk about the score to this film. Vangelis, man. <laughs> What can one say about Vangelis? Amazing, amazing. Like, I don't know. It's it's really interesting because I always like you know I, I've seen clips of the Bounty online. I just go, man, that music is so incongruous with the what's going on on screen. But when I watched the film beginning to end, I just loved it. I fell in love with the fucking the craziness of it. It's so crazy. Yeah, I'm you know, not the, a you know the, fan. You're not a fan. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. Like I I go. Oh, it should have had a, it should have had a James Horner score. It should have had a John Williams score, you know, and that would that would go well with the seafaring. But then it would just be like every other seafaring film, you know, like the, right. The so you like the uniqueness? Out. Yeah, this one <laughs> stands out completely. Weird. It's like when you watch um, Legend and it's like Tangerine Dream, you know, Ridley Scott's Tom Cruise weird thing. And when I watch Legend, <laughs> when I yep, when I get round to that, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. Weird, uh, in the 80s, like you know, people were like, This is the future, we love this and stuff, we love yeah. this stuff, and it's just like, I don't know how this is gonna hold up in five years' time, but let's do it. Oh, yeah. god, I just I don't, I don't, I guess, um, <laughs> I'm I've sort of not been a fan of Vangelis since uh, seeing uh, uh an 80s redoing of oh, uh, Fritz Lang's oh. Metropolis, which was not only 
with a Vangelis score. Oh, it kind of worked. Uh, <laughs> in the coloring of the, it just, it was very, very off-putting. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. didn't, couldn't engage with it. Whereas the original Metropolis, I kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. love quite a lot. But uh, um, yeah, it is, it is just double check it's Vangelis. It is Vangelis. Um, uh, it, the, the thing that got me about the Vangelis score, the scene that got me the most with it um, I think it doesn't really necessarily work in a lot of places. You know, you've got these great sweeping epic epic shots of seafaring, and then it's like weird synths. Um, but the end Ooh. scene, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on the high seas, <laughs> yeah. But the end scene where they're where they've finally gotten to Pitcairn Islands, and you know that that's where Fletcher Christian, he's a real dude, and his he really yep. got there, and his descendants are on Pitcairn Island. That's where they live. Yep. Um, although some people say they saw Fletcher Christian in England later on. I don't know how he got back there, but. Whatever, but the, the final scene, they're, they're, they've gotten to Pitcairn and they're burning them. They're burning their ship. They're burning the bounty to the ground, to the, to the floor, seafloor. Um, and that's uh, where they want to stay. And the Vangelis squares over it, and it's, it's great. It's a really weird scene. Like it's beautifully shot. You know, they're all they're all on the shore looking out, and it's this. It's a crazy surreal image. It's a sea. This boat on the sea, on the water, on fire. On fire. <laughs> like, and it's like, and it's a raging fire and there's black smoke billowing. Quite a lot of elements going on there, but just like in terms of, you know, you get your land and your water and your yeah, fire, yeah, yeah. not air, heart, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about, we're talking about Captain Planet. I think we're get, moving towards Captain Planet. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Captain Planet elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that, that music works there. I think it works great. Gangbusters. Gangbusters? Who says that? Um, <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently, he um, makes about scene. as much sense since on sea. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a crazy scene, you know. We, we, you know, uh, at that moment in the in the in the um, what's that? The framing device. We've got Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, being acquitted and sort of he sheds a tear because he's like really happy that they recognize well, what a, his mm, rec- <laughs> he recognizes his bravery and 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 the the adversity being mutinied by his crew um and then we're cutting back to these guys sort of teary-eyed watching their ship their burn, ship burn you know, right like, and the music is this crazy synth score that kind of works it makes it feel really odd and ethereal and weird and like you and it's mysterious and something otherworldly yeah and you don't know what's going to you don't know what's going to come next yeah you know like it's like what does this mean what does it what does this image mean to our future and yeah and what does it mean for the rest of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay which I, you know, I, that was like, that was the moment. It was the end of the film, but that was the moment where I was like, it's, the school works now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's done. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything else on the bounty? Uh, Roger Ebert also gave it four stars. Obviously a fan of, um, well, of uh, Roger Donaldson. He said it was a, a wonderful movie, high-spirited and intelligent, good adventure, lush romance, and lush. a good movie. A good movie. <laughs> a good movie. High praise yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's, it feels like a film that's dropped off Yeah, a, a lot of the cultural radar. Yeah, no one really talks about it No, at all. Well, as, as, like, a, as a version of the bounty that is considered in high regard. I think people like the... Um, it is one of those Mal stories that kind of keep... Like, there seems to be a couple of... Like, yeah, even I think that Errol Flynn, I think that's why I got confused. The Captain Blood that's based on... Is it? I believe so. <laughs> I could probably be someone out there's going to go. These guys don't know what they're talking about at all. Love that. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to say it right here, right now. It's a 100% fact. <laughs> Errol Flynn's Captain Blood. Everything else in the podcast has been based on 100% facts. So yeah. So uh, why why stop now? Um, I I think uh, I think 
I think it's the Mandela score, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. I think people aren't talking about it because of that score. It, well, it's because now it seems dated. It's really dated. It's really yeah. dated, which is weird because it's a period piece anyway. You know, like. But then, I don't know, people, is it just because Chariots of Fire, it's got that scene that <laughs> everyone kind of knows? Like, that's still something that people talk about. And that's got a Vangelis score. And there's the weird synth score. But the synth but score nothing, kind of works with Blade Runner. But there's nothing better. triumphant. You know, people remember triumphant moments. They're like, they feel, right. make you feel good. There's yeah. nothing triumphant in the bounty. It's kind of a downer film overall. Oh. <laughs> like, But I, I like that about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, think it I think it works. Um, but, you uh, know, it's a big film. It's got Anthony Hopkins and, Le yeah, all of these big actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, Liam Neeson wasn't big at that time. But, no, but yeah. he's since become... Um, a man with a particular set of skills. Yeah. So. Can we talk briefly about Liam Neeson in this film? Sure. He 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 has a particular set of skills in this film, <laughs> and those skills are he beats the shit out of people. Like, those are a good set of skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that crazy scene under the, you know, when they're when the the captain and his uh, his officers are having dinner. Fancy dinner upstairs yes. with the officers mess, and then downstairs all the the the, the, rag, the raggedy yep. crew are ships and biscuits and yeah yeah and they're yeah. playing music and having a good time and for whatever reason Liam Neeson's character is just a dick and people notice they're out of his way and there's one guy is all like that's my seat no he sits down in the mugger's in Liam Neeson's seat. And Liam Neeson's like, right. get out of my seat. And they're all like, ooh. And then there's a fight. And they're all like, yeah, let's have a fight. And they're like, we got to keep it quiet because, you know, the officers are upstairs having dinner. Have a quiet fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quiet fight. But Liam Neeson's this whole thing. Like, this is before he was a Schindler's List. So he's this brawler. Like, in the film, he just, like, lays into this guy with his fist and, like, beats the snot out of him. <laughs> I guess was, this must have been a yeah, very early role for Yeah, yeah, it was, it was early on. Like, you but know, I mean, we think of Liam Neeson as, like, leading man. And, like, yeah. he's always got main parts. He's, just, he's not a, he's a minor character. You know? Yeah, but he's I mean. a good minor character. But even so, Mel Gibson, this is in the early stages of his rise to stardom. This is. 84? Yeah, so this is before um, Lethal Weapon, right? I'm getting myself confused. But I mean, it's post um, Mad Max and yeah, 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 yeah. Post the Road Mad Warrior yeah, and yeah. and all of that. So it's yeah, I don't know, an interesting little yeah, uh, not an interesting little film because it's quite big, but something yeah, yeah. that seems to have been I don't know overlooked. Yeah, it's it's a starting it's like a, one of the earliest starting points for Liam Neeson's crossover into being a bigger character. Um, Dan Day Lewis is in it in a great part, really good. Yeah, really so good there's acting. I mean, yeah. It, Surprised not more people now that these actors are big going back and discovering this film. Yeah, I mean J John Gabsby's in it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he had that. He has a great scene where they're they're all talking about leaving the island, and John, John Gabsby's there reminiscing with them. He's all like, "Yeah, I want to go. I love it here." You know, but then he can't because he's got a wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he's all, as he says with a yeah, with yeah. a Asian uh, lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Snuggled up with him. Yeah, yeah. But Lee Liam Neeson's character does, and then Captain Bly finds him, and they beat him, and that, that's that's kind of like the catalyst. That Liam Neeson character is kind of like the catalyst of the the beginning yeah. of the bounty because they they beat him up and stuff. So he's he's a he's a integral part of the story. But you know, no people don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the film at all. I don't. I don't. I think if I mentioned to people, oh yeah, Mel Gibson was in a, in a film about the bounty, people wouldn't know what I was talking about. No, yeah. but they okay. know about Lethal Weapon and stuff. Yeah, but the but big American films. It's but a, then, yeah, it's a good film. I mean, we want to talk about Roger Dolce's history career a little bit after this. Yeah. So he 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 um he forged himself a a, a good career, like he yeah solid uh, Hollywood player. Um, 
came back to New Zealand in 2005, made the world's fastest Indian, also starring Anthony Hopkins. With his old mate. Who wasn't his mate. Clashed oh. violently on the bounty set and vowed never to work with one another again. I think Roger Donaldson, uh, Anthony Hopkins is like, I don't like that guy. But Roger Donaldson, didn't he hunt him, Anthony Hopkins out specifically? For yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. They, they obviously reconciled. You know, they had a, they obviously, because they, he gives a great performance of World Fast Indian. I love that film. I thought it was great. But um, um, Roger Donaldson went on to do, uh, what did he do? Uh, no Way Out, which I'm currently working on a film here in Wellington. There are people on the set that were like, No Way Out is Roger Donaldson's best film. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a good film, a uh, thriller with uh, Kevin Costner. Cold War thriller, Russian spies, whatnot. Good film. Uh, Cocktail. Of course. I, people might argue it's not a good film. I enjoy that film. Of course. So I, get, I, I keep forgetting and then remembering that Roger Donaldson made Cocktail. Cocktail, yeah. Uh, Cadillac Man. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, comedies. Uh, White Sands with uh, The Amazing Will and Defoe. Uh, little known film. I, I like it. I think a lot of people don't necessarily think it's that good. Uh, the Getaway, the re- remake of The Getaway. Which most people think is a travesty because it's a remake of a brilliant Steve McQueen film. Yeah. I think the film is okay. Okay, I think it's a solid, a solid yep. piece of filmmaking. Nothing on the original Getaway, obviously. Uh, species, which uh, no lo- way, snap. Species, which launched the uh, thousand wet dreams amongst t- teenage boys with Nastasia Henstridge, naked alien, who becomes a crazy, scary monster. Those are some weird wet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting involved when in I, that When one. I was younger, I... I, uh, I no, 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 no dreams, we can, we can, like we can carry, on. carry on. Carry on, carry on. Yeah, move on, move <laughs> on. Dante's, Dante's Peak, Dante's Peak. Oh, yes, the uh, other volcano film. The Tom, Tom Lee Jones wasn't was volcano. volcano. Yeah, uh, but that was Pierce Brosnan and mm-hmm. uh, the Tom, uh, Jeff Murphy, second unit director on Dante's Peak, which is great. 13 Days. Great film. Brilliant. Uh, Love 13 thriller. Days. Yeah. Yeah, anytime I, it's on TV, I want to watch that. Probably seen it myself maybe five times. Uh, the Recruit, which I think I mean, you didn't like. No. I thought it was good. I liked it. I thought that was a silly film. Uh, I rewatched it, and it is pretty silly, but I do enjoy um, Colin Farrell in it, and uh, Al Pacino is doing his Al Pacino thing, which, you know, some people like. I think he's great. Uh, then he did The World's Fast Indian, and then after that, he went off and did The Bank Job, which I think is possibly Jason Statham's best film. Uh Ooh, big call. Big call. Big call. But I really like him in that film. No, he is great in that film. That yeah. Is a, yeah. Uh, and then uh, recently, uh, our friend Nicholas Cage has come back to working with the New Zealand director, um, <laughs> seeking justice. <laughs> so he's a he's a late a New Zealand late uh, career late filmmaker uh, collaborator. So that's what he does. Good old uh, Nicholas Cage. Ten films or so on. Nicholas yep. Cage goes, oh, there's a New Zealand director that's it's, still working. I want to work with him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not, a, not a good film. I saw it. It's all right. Uh, Guy Pearce shows up. It's about Nicholas Cage trying to find revenge of the guys that raped his wife. Uh, pretty standard. Standard thriller. And The November Man, which I have not seen, but people keep saying it's bad. <laughs> I really want to see it. I think it looks good. Pierce but with Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan again. Pierce an older sort of retired spy who gets called out for hmm. one last job. Assassin. Sort of yeah, thing. so yeah, he's had a pretty solid, pretty solid, good career as mm. a director, which is mm-hmm. uh, sort of an achievement in of itself. Oh, one one last story about me. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, shall we? I uh, what was Rajiv's story time. Rajiv meeting filmmakers. Uh, Apologise if you hate these stories, but I met Rajnanson one time, not on a job, nothing industry based. I was working at a retail store in Wellington. And he turned up with his wife one day, and he was shopping. I was it's a, at the Tapapa National Museum, uh, and he was like buying artworks, fancy artworks and stuff. And I was wrapping them up, and I was like, "Oh, excuse me, are you are you Roger Dawson?" And his wife laughed, 
<laughs> His wife was all like, ha ha, no one ever recognises a Roger. <laughs> Just uber film nerd Rajiv. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, yes, I am. I'm like, oh, I like your films. I'm really looking forward to seeing the worst past in him. Um, and, he, uh, and he looked very dejected when his wife laughed. I'm not going to pay for him. <laughs> but he turned to me and said, you keep making them films, Rajiv. And he worked at me. No, he didn't. I'm not no, he um, that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my story of meeting Roger Dawson. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's a nice anecdote to mm -hmm. wrap things up on. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say uh, thanks very much again for listening, everyone, to us ramble on about film stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been your co-host, Andy James. You can find me on the Twitter at AndyJames underscore Inc. That's Inc with a K. And Rajiv, where can people find you? At uh, Rajiv Film, R-A-J-E-V, and the word film. Yes. On the Twitter. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Doodaloo. Uh, today's episode was recorded at the historic Avalon Studios in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, thanks very much to Richard Lander and Tim and the guys. Uh, much appreciated.